G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Tuesday rolls around quickly and always one of those highlights of a Tuesday is our opportunity to update breaking news headlines as they come out of the nation of Israel and those countries around Israel in the Middle East and affecting things that are happening with God's chosen people, the people of Israel. Ron Ross is back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, always love our conversations and talking about what's happening in the nation of Israel. Let's start with a headline that's all about the very first Israeli participation in the world's largest naval training exercise. Yes, Israel's Navy will for the first time participate in the summer rim of the Pacific called RIMPAC, a multinational naval exercise led by the U.S. Third Fleet off the coast of Hawaii. Israel will join 26 other nations, 47 service ships, five submarines, 18 national land forces, more than 200 aircraft, and 25,000 personnel at RIMPAC later this month. As part of the efforts to maintain its competence and develop its capabilities, the Navy takes part in international exercises regularly. In the coming weeks, Israel's naval arm is expected to participate in the RIMPAC exercise, one of the largest in the field of naval warfare, said a statement by the IDF spokesman's unit. Other countries participating in this summer's RIMPAC, which is the world's largest maritime drill, are Australia, Brunei, Canada, Chile, Colombia, France, Germany, India, Indonesia, Japan, Malaysia, Mexico, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Peru, South Korea, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, Tonga, and the United Kingdom. Israel will join the other first-timers, Brazil, Sri Lanka, and Vietnam. Ron, another headline, and an interesting one, because Russia involved with Syria to the northeast of Israel, but for the first time ever... Another first here, Russia celebrating Independence Day in Jerusalem. Yeah, for the first time, Russia will hold its annual Russia Day reception in Jerusalem on June 12, a year after declaring that West Jerusalem is Israel's capital. Until now, the reception has been held in Tel Aviv. The move came just weeks after the U.S. moved its embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. The Russian reception will be held in Sergei Courtyard, which until it was returned to the Russians in 2012, held the offices of the Society for the Protection of Nature in Israel. Basically, our spokesman said, we believe that this compound symbolizes our culture and traditions and is a genuine Russian piece of land in Israel and in the Mideast in general. Russia Day, marking the adoption of the Declaration of Independence of the Russian Soviet Federative Socialist Republic in 1990, is June 12, but the reception in Israel will be held on June 14.
Ron, before we move on from this headline, uh, does this uh, in any way align Russia with a endorsement of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel? No, they made a statement saying that that decision would be based on agreement between the two negotiating parties, but it certainly uh, advocates that Russia wants to be part of whatever process takes place. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has highlighted a recent visit to Moscow where he gained support from Russia to see the Iranian forces removed from Syria. So uh, there's a very interesting uh, relationship developing. Let's talk about some other tensions that are going on around Israel. And the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu will stress his tough Iran policy in his trip to meet with leaders in Europe. Yeah, Israel will not tolerate an Iranian nuclear program or its military presence anywhere in Syria. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that on Sunday uh, on the eve of his departure on his trip to Europe to meet three key European leaders. Netanyahu arrived today in Berlin. Uh, he will go on to Paris and London. And uh, these are capitals all strongly opposed to U.S. President Donald Trump's decision to withdraw from the Iranian nuclear deal. Netanyahu said he will discuss regional developments with the primary emphasis on the containment of Iran's nuclear program with Angela Merkel in Germany, French President Emmanuel Macron and British Prime Minister Theresa May. I will stress the unchanging truth. Israel will not let Iran acquire nuclear weapons, he said. France, Germany and Britain, who were all involved in drawing up the 2015 agreement, are all at odds with the US and Israel over Trump's move. Uh, but they're about to get a very stern message uh, from the Israeli Prime Minister. Ron, another neighbouring nation to Israel is Jordan. And after riots in Jordan, Jordan's King Abdullah is expected to ask their Prime Minister to resign. Well, I read this morning that he's done that and the Prime Minister has resigned. Uh, it was over widespread anger over economic policies that have sparked the largest protests in several years. The dismissal of Prime Minister Malki was demanded in a series of protests against the International Monetary Fund-backed tax increases that have shaken Jordan. The sources said King Abdullah has ordered Malki for an audience uh, in his palace on Monday, and we now know what eventuated from that. Malki, a business-friendly politician, was appointed in May 2016 and given the responsibility of reviving a sluggish economy. Public anger over IMF-driven government policies has grown since a, de a steep general sales tax hike earlier this year and the abolition of bread subsidies, a staple item for the poor. Uh, it sounds like the protests worked. Uh, let's give some attention to Turkey and with the intensifying of Islam in Turkey over recent years, now Turkey targeting their Christian population. Yeah, we really need to be praying about the uh, Christians in Turkey. Christians make up less than half a percent of Turkey's population. President Erdogan and his ruling Justice and Reconciliation Party depict Christians as a grave threat to the stability of the nation. With Erdogan's jihadist rhetoric often stereotyping 
Christian Turkish citizens as not real Turks, but rather as Western stooges and collaborators, many Turks seem to be tilting toward an eliminationist anti-Christian mentality. Small wonder that the recent launch of an official online genealogy service allowing Turks to trace their ancestry has kindled a tidal xenophobic wave on the social media welcoming the fresh possibility to expose crypto-Armenians, Greeks and Jews all masquerading as true Turks. Persecution of Turkey's Christian minority has long predated Erdogan and his party. As it stood on the verge of extinction, the Ottoman Empire engaged in mass deportations and massacres that culminated in the Armenian Genocide. The end of World War I saw the expulsion of more than a million Greeks and the position of the dwindling Christian community only somewhat improved in Mustafa Kemal Ataturk's secularist republic. Uh, they've got posters up along the streets I saw uh, condemning Christmas and uh, denouncing Christian holidays. Uh, so the Turks there are under great pressure. Mm. Coming back to Israel, some developments there where a new Judeo-Christian party will compete for representation in the Israeli parliament. Yes, Neil, I'm very excited about this. For the first time in Israel, the Judeo-Christian party is planning to run to the Knesset coming uh, next elections, having been approved by the party register as the biblical bloc. The party was established by a great man, Dennis Avi Lipkin, a flushing New York-born graduate who today lives in the settlement of Kedar in Gush Etzion and lectures in evangelical communities across the United States. Lipkin's website claims he has appeared on hundreds of radio and TV shows worldwide, and Lipkin is married to Rachel, an Egyptian-born Jewess. Uh, he's an amazing man who's been proclaiming uh, the Christian relationship to Israel for many years. Uh, he's written some fantastic books, and uh, I recommend any readership. Uh, he said their list in the biblical block will consist of Jews and Christians in equal numbers. And among his books are uh, Christian Revival for Israel's Survival, a must-read for all of us. Okay, and that is a significant development. Uh, one last story before I let you go, Ron. Eastern Christians finding common ground on a trip to Israel. Yeah, Mendo, a member of the Assyrian Church of the East, who was born and raised in Chicago, was on an organized trip to Israel last week with a group of Christians who have roots in the region. The group was led by Giuliana Tamarazzi, a senior fellow at the Philos Project and president of the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. It included young Christian leaders from the U.S. and Canada, many of whose families have left Iraq over the last four decades to escape terrorism and persecution. Tamarazzi, who led a similar trip last year, said the feeling among the group was that they were not just seeing religious pilgrimage sites and learning about the history of Israel, but also bonding with Israelis. He said, we went to a family for Shabbat, and they were welcoming and listening to our stories, and we understood some of their prayers and language. We felt at home, 
My personal mission when it comes to Jewish-Christian relations is to build a strong bridge between Assyrians and Jews. There are several groups of Eastern Christians from Iraq, Syria, and the region, including Assyrians, Chaldeans, and members of the Syriac Orthodox Church. Altogether, there are several million members of these churches, but their numbers have declined greatly in the areas to which they are indigenous. Uh, it's a wonderful development to see interaction between Christians touring in Israel uh, with their Jewish hosts. Well, Ron, always priceless insights when you've been scouring the headlines and bringing us the latest up-to-date breaking news out of Israel and the Middle East. Ron Ross, thank you so much for bringing us those headlines afresh today here on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.